Welcome to The Meteor Podcast, a weekly news show about what's going on in the media community. This episode is for Friday, May 8th, 2015. This week's episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They are the single best hosting option available for Meteor right now. Go to Modulus.io and check them out. They offer a marketplace, they offer you Mongo databases, it's very easy to integrate with other Mongo databases. You know, they offer WebSocket support with sticky sessions. They do everything right for your Meteor app. I use them for everything that I'm doing. I would highly recommend you use them as well. Modulus.io. Welcome, Meteor fans. I'm your host, Josh Owens, along with my co-host. Rye Walker. Welcome back, Rye. Hey, what's up, dude? Yeah, you were in, uh, you were in Vegas this week, weren't you? Yeah. Sin City. <laughs> yeah, we went, I went down to the Strip for the first time. I had never been to Vegas. And, oh, wow. Yeah, I've never been either. Yeah. So we were at a tech conference, though, in, in old Vegas. <laughs> and so I'm like, it's, we're like I, should, I should at least walk around the real Las Vegas, you know, for a couple of hours. So I did that. We went in and I dropped, uh, put $25 down on Black and Roulette. <laughs> double my so I doubled my money in Vegas at the Bellagio, you know. Nice. So walked out with money. So <laughs> twenty five bucks. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Roulette is uh, addicting. <laughs> uh, I can only when you're imagine. winning, anyway. When you're winning. Yeah. So this week, this is the uh, the Meteor Club edition. So we were like, I let I let the uh, Slack chat room put the list together. And then we realized like everybody that submitted these stories, they're all in the Slack chat room as well. So it's kind of funny. So we're going to talk about mobile apps with Meteor, S Alerts, AMA with Sashko, File Organization, and Meteor Security. All right. So let's get into it. The... First story comes from uh, Stefan Hohaus. I teased him yesterday on the uh, Q&A with his name. So basically, this article walks you through how he made a Magic 8-Ball application. I mean, he really takes it in depth, and he shows you the CSS, and he's got some animated GIFs showing you how he's trying to figure out how to build things. This one's in the... um, Is that Safari? Or is that that's Chrome actually? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he shows like how he's playing with the circle sizes and all that kind of stuff, and then he installs the shake add-on so you can like shake the phone and it'll give you an answer. And then like this is the crazy part, right? He starts going through like how you prepare your app for distribution, and this is mm-hmm. probably one of the more frustrating pieces of getting a mobile app out the door is like dealing with all this cruft that you have to do in Xcode and getting your keys and, you know, getting your app approved, like all this crap. Like he's still, I think right now, waiting. I just loaded the link. Let's see if it, if he's got the link updated. Nope, he's still waiting for the app store to approve him. So it's already on Google Play, but essentially he's, he's just built a Meteor app and you know, he's used the Cordova stuff and he's built both the, the Android and the the iPhone version and he just walks you through like everything down to like, you know, putting in the icons and everything. So, mm-hmm. 
It's a good article. Very, very deep. Yeah, I love that he goes into like the problems of building an app and and dealing in like including the Shake package, which is you know dealing with Cordova, you know using some real Cordova functionality. So all the way down to like building an app that isn't just a hello world, right? Because that's pretty boring. That section would be really boring if just a hello world. So he yeah. gets into like you know the, the, some of the issues around that. But but yeah, I agree with you. There's half the articles about all the crap that happens after you're done building the app, which uh, is not very well documented out in the wild as much. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. You know, I just, like, God, I wish this article would have been a week earlier because last, last Friday I was doing all this crap, you know, like bundling up for the first time and sending out a, a ad hoc, you know, IPA file and trying to figure out all this crap. I had to call Apple three times. It was a terrible experience. Um, Did they answer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they totally answered. They're really nice when you call them, and yeah. you don't have to be. You're not on hold too long, so it's hmm. not not horrible. It's just more the fact that you got to call. You know. You're like, wow. You know. He also shows some of the icon stuff too. I'm uh, I'm wondering if he used some kind of Photoshop preset or some kind of website to generate the icons. I used. I found a website where you just upload the icon and then it spits out all the right sizes for you for putting into iTunes or into Xcode. That was annoying. That felt like that took an hour. <laughs> uh, crazy. Anyway, so I, like, if you're thinking about doing this, I would highly recommend checking out this article. Totally worth it. You know, probably take you like 10, 15 minutes to read. You should read it. Yeah, and probably only like an hour to go through and, and really learn this stuff. If you wanted to type, type in and actually build a real project, probably really help you understand the mobile process. I need to do this. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Let's, let's talk about S-Alert or Simple Alert. Or is it just called Simple Alert? Alert? Yeah. Shop Smart, Shop S-Alert. <laughs> so this is a meteor package that lets you that gives you like animated alerts like you know things that pop in the bottom left corner or top right and, and then you know let's say you pop another alert how they interact with each other so he's got uh the base package and then effect packages so i like this you know it's an example of how to break your project up into lots of little packages rather than one big monolithic package it went along with some good sample code on how to make it happen and demos. So it's, yeah, uh, I think it uses CSS animations to get those like different effects too. So like you get the, like it'll wiggle up if you use jelly or uh, it looks like it pops out of a bottle. If you use the genie effect. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Josh and I were talking briefly before this call that uh, we were talking about um, how like I'm using polymer. So I have this, uh, you know, a little paper alert thing happening automatically or it's coming from Polymer. And it's just interesting. I'm like so used to using a, you know, kind of a rich extra library that I forget about the fact that, you know, raw media, you have to have these kind of things. Yeah. You get a lot of components from Polymer, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, and so this is like maybe a different route. If you're not going with Polymer, I think this package is a great example of, uh, building a UI component that's reusable in a lot of places. And it's not even like this one's not dependent on any kind of library either. You know, you don't have to have bootstrap installed to get this guy. It's kind of interesting. I might give it a try. I'd be curious to see what it looks like on meteoric. I guess that's where I've been spending most of my time lately. 
Gotcha. I'm guessing he's got alerts. I just haven't had to use them yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I haven't checked that out either. Like I said, I've been, I've been ever since I started using Polymer, it's been one project since then. So <laughs> I'm starting to get dumb on all the new stuff that's come out. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I kind of feel the same way. Like I've just been in, in meteoric land for yeah, I guess four or five months now. So I haven't really looked at anything else. Pick your poison, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so so many, you know. I mean, even like, you know, Polymer or React. I mean, there's so many different ways you can go with this stuff. So yeah. I don't know. Kind of Kind of waiting. I don't know. Maybe that's a good lead-in to uh, this the story with Sashko. Mm-hmm. If you if you missed it, that like that's that's a bummer. But you can go read it all now. So uh, it's the first ever. Ask me anything on Crater. Uh, Sasha Grafe suggested that hey, why don't you try doing like AMAs on there? That seems like a perfect thing to do on on Crater. Mm-hmm. I think the the experience could be a little bit better. We've we found some bugs particularly with the like the scoring uh apparently if there's down votes that will drag something down below something that's just been upvoted (laughs) so like the base score it was showing um the upvotes instead of a base score which the base score is like the upvotes and downvotes combined so it's kind of confusing because like uh nick wintage had a highly upvoted post and uh it was like in the middle of the pack but, you know, there, there were a lot of great questions in this thing. One theme that I kept seeing over and over is, you know, when, when are we going to see this thing official or, you know, like uh, what's the next official database or can we officially get more interchangeable front-end UI? So Sashko did a great job. Another one was router too. There was a big debate about the router. Like when are we going to see an official router? <laughs> He he's got like the the top of voted thing is talking about you know what what's an official package mean and you know what what can we do like can we get like a seal of approval from MDG and go through an audit process and and maybe it's not official but it's it's like officially approved right and uh, that's kind of interesting to me and that's that seemed to be an interesting theme going on. I mean, there's so much in here. There's 129 comments to read. I would highly recommend people. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Back in Rails, Railsland, there was uh, this. Well, obviously, the post is this is awesome for Crater, right? This was a cool thing. I, I, I didn't get to participate in it because that was uh, one of the days of the conference, and I, I did get to see it like a day later and read through the entire thing. Some awesome stuff in there. Um, yeah. Uh, as far as the official packages thing, you know, which was a big topic on this thing. Mm-hmm. I just think that the problem with, with anyone anointing any package is that that changes over time, you know? So I can say today that iron router is best, right? You could say that that's the most popularly used, but is flow router better, you know, like, well, you know, what's interesting is I think as meteors changed. So like I've, I've specifically taken the mindset of not using weight on and not using iron router for managing that stuff and just using template level subscriptions. Right. I actually feel like it's, it's been a little bit better to create everything and it's a little bit cleaner. And you know, I find myself using template helpers more rather than data context and all that kind of stuff. And I just think overall, it seems to be a cleaner experience and my router file is much, much tinier Mm-hmm. Now that 
that people have explored new ideas, maybe Iron Router is not as interesting anymore. Yeah. Do you remember uh, there was a site called Ruby Toolbox? Mm -hmm. And so Ruby Toolbox, I just happened to click into that again. I remember it's like if you're trying to figure out, so I clicked into Rails comments. Like what is the, what are the most, what's the best package for Rails comments right now? It's like the number one choice is currently, and I'm currently unmaintained, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it obviously did well, and it's something called Juvia, you know? So then, uh, you know, do you go with that or do you go with something down the chain, you know? So I think that it's just such a liquid um, decision on what's the best package for a given thing, especially as like the things change. Like you said, what used to be routing now is broken down. Now you do do subscriptions and templates, you know, and I, for one, think that Meteor has, does not need to, to anoint official packages, like just deal with the fact that you have to do a little bit of research to find the right thing for what you're trying to do for the time you're doing it. I kind of get it with the router and with the database stuff. Like these do feel like pretty core concerns, but at the same time, like if Slava puts out his rethink DB package and it's not in core, I'll probably still play with it. Look at Rethink DB, see if the, the performance is interesting. And I don't know. I mean, like, he's, he's played a lot with uh, – he's worked a lot on, on the, the Mongo stuff. So what's the difference? It's just who it's released under. It's either part of the Meteor Meteor repo as a package or it's part of some other repo and released on Atmosphere instead. So Yeah. The one thing I think that could be better is if Atmosphere had categories, and that's a – big ton of work for somebody to categorize 5,000 things. You know, honestly though, I think if you provided at least high level categories, most of the people would self sort it. And I'll use Twitter as an example, right? Uh, The interesting thing is if you go look at Twitter lists, I can pull all the lists that people have put you in and I can figure out just looking at similar words, which one is, which ones apply to you. And uh, my guess is like Meteor or Analytics or something would be something that that would uh, pop up in your list. And I think, you know, package maintainers would be the same way. They would they would take the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and then the other just submit other... a pull request. Me? Yeah, to Atmosphere. Oh. oh can, can we do that? No, we can't do that. Yeah. But then the other thing that's wrong, I think, wrong with Atmosphere right now too is that it, it just shows like. I searched for router and iron routers first. It's got 138,000 downloads, 379 stars. Like it'll never get knocked off that block. You know, uh, maybe five years from now, something can come along and until you get 140,000 downloads, you can't even deal with this history. So probably need to have some, some sort of recency in here. They, they do a little bit. So they look at the last time a release happened and they look at, Supposedly, I mean, again, we can't we can't look at the code to understand the formula. But my understanding was they look at like open issues and that kind of thing for waiting. You know, the different results. Yeah. Well, then they maybe should show that score. You know, and maybe explain how it works. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. Like break it down, right? Like we're in JavaScript land. Like give us a <laughs> handy tool tip that shows us like here are the different components and here's how it scored on those components and you know. Yeah, maybe. That'd be a little uh, more transparent. Yeah, I don't mean to. I mean, I, obviously, I think atmosphere is awesome, but I'm, I'm just trying to think through the problem. A better way of doing of solving the problem versus MDG having to anoint some of these 5,000 packages as official and then maintaining that over time just seems like a hell, hell it, type of thing. It feels Microsoft-ish to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, let's not do that. Yeah, I saw I saw a picture the other day of like, 
uh, Sashko holding up a certificate and like a USB plug that they got from Microsoft so they could <laughs> officially release Meteor as a packet, like a signed package. And I'm like, terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Dongles. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a bad idea. Yeah. Anyway. Right. <laughs> Let's go to next topic, file organization with Meteor. This is a Medium post by Vianney Nekrot. I don't know how to say that. Do you know how to say that name? I don't. Ace TMP, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. what he goes by in Slack. That's what but, I know. Uh, re- really good post on how to organize your files. With Meteor, he kind of threw out three possible solutions. Um, solution A is just keep it flat. You know, like you get when you get a, ne- a new empty project. If you have a small Meteor product, you don't necessarily need to create a whole lot of structure, right? Like, uh, uh, you don't need to adopt the same architecture for your code for a tiny product as a big one. So uh, that's one of the options. The other option is to break all your code up into packages, for example, the way Telescope does. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I've heard other uh, media developers even that are building internal products, they'll just like pa- make packages for every little feature, which can lead to some reusability for yourself. And then finally, the third op- option is just kind of keeping them in a group uh, called, uh, he's just calling it module oriented. So just keeping similar, you know, creating a folder that's, for example, like he has here bank. I don't know what that one bank would mean, but a a folder that has all the functionality. It's similar to, I guess, a package, but just not actually in the packages directory. The problem with putting stuff in the packages directory is you actually have to do a little bit of extra work, you know, to include those files and everything. One of the interesting things we were looking at, and I don't know, have you figured out this, the answer to this one yet, Josh? We were talking about... He's totally the, right. He's right? Okay. Yeah. So, I, so both Josh and I thought that, that the client directory and server directory was just a top-level thing, but really any directory you name client or server, no matter how far down in your hierarchy, only get included on the client server. So those special directory names are applicable through the whole chain. Right. So public's a top-level, private is a top-level, Client compatibility doesn't say whether it's top level, but I'm guessing that's top level. Any directory name test is the same way. I, I feel like they've changed this maybe, mm. um, but libs the same way. So anywhere you put a lib directory, it's going to also load first. So another thing to keep in mind there, the one place this does not apply is in the packages, right? So you actually have to specify which files get loaded and which environment they get loaded. And it doesn't matter what folder you put them in. I'm pretty sure uh, that's still the way it is. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it's interesting because like he referenced uh, my old article and he said, my argument was to follow rails conventions because I've used them for nine years and that wasn't a good enough convincing argument for him. I think my argument and maybe I failed at, at getting it across is actually that I prefer not modular based, but route based uh, organization of files. So, you know, if, if my URL is going to have that prefix in it, right. So logically, like I prefix everything. So like I'm working, like if I'm working on a blog, I'm going to have like a blog prefix on it. If it's going to live somewhere like that. And then I put all those files into a folder called blog. And um, his argument was that you end up with uh too many folders and too many files. I think it was more the files, like having to open up all those different files to change something. To me, that sounds like an editor problem, not a, not a file organization problem. 
I, I love them. So I don't, you know, it's just me on a keyboard opening a file. I don't have tabs cluttering up my view necessarily. Uh, I just look at code. But, uh, you know, I don't want to get into an editor war. <laughs> but no, and then the other point too is that uh, I should really write a post on this. I've really, really been into writing collection helpers and I feel like it really mimics the whole uh, fat models idea that kind of came from rails and i think that's cleaner to me uh rather than necessarily writing a bunch of helpers to do things for you you can just write like template helpers you can write collection helpers and they're reusable in more spots right um and to me uh i have some pretty crufty gross looking data structures and you know i've wrapped all those behind uh, collection helper methods and with coffee scripts like I've even used the uh, the question mark operator to make sure that I can drill down and uh, I'm not going to throw any errors but he mentioned like having to go to three places to change something if you do it in the collection helper and you keep that in your collection file that's just one place you go you know same thing with the methods and all that stuff like I try to keep all that in one collection file that pertains to that collection yeah. And I think well, that's a little cleaner. I was going to say too, like the other thing I have, a, I mean, a lot of my features use multiple collections. So I think you might, you may have a time where it's, you have a, it's a hard decision on where to stick the collection for a given feature, you know, which Mongo collections belong to a feature, um, mm. you know, like, and then yeah. if, if there's some edge cases there, now I guess it could maybe I just I just don't feel like the features and collections map on top of each other for me exactly. Um, yeah, I tend to agree. My, so I just have a collections folder, and that's where all that stuff goes. Yeah, so I kind of like having models outside. So I guess I'm saying I like the Rails structure too, and that's probably because I'm a Rails previous Rails developer. So <laughs> we train our brains in certain ways, but. I think either way, you know, it's like you have to find code sometimes that's not where you would like for it to be uh, because, like, this is like a cube of code. It's not a flat structure of code, you know? Um, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, again, I think I said it at the end of my article, and he posted this in the, the Media Club Slack chat room. He's like, sorry, Josh. And I'm like, I, you don't have to apologize. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, like, pick whatever structure works for you document it right that's the key piece here document what you're doing in the readme and be a good developer because there's going to be some guy coming behind you or a gal and it's just it's not going to be a pleasant experience if they don't understand how you've done things and if you document it and you kind of follow some standard it's going to be easier in the long run yeah i'd say document it and find at least one other person in the world that agrees with you before you do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or if you're the hiring manager, just you know, clearly they want to work with you, right? <laughs> yeah, true. But it's good to have like at least one more person say, "Oh yeah, this is awesome. I would use this, or I'm using this." <laughs> yeah. Before you know, um, adopting it for yourself because you you do want it to be something that's intuitive for the next guy behind you. All right, last article. So this one's from Pete Corey. I don't know if he goes by Pete or Peter. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll go with Pete. He's, he's put out some good stuff. He just joined the Media Club Slack chat room the other day too. And he had an article a couple weeks ago, I think. It was either last week or a couple weeks ago where he talked about like um, making sure you run Meteor checks on your params and how if you're taking some params and then just using them 
to run your your Mongo queries, like that could be very, very dangerous because people could pass in, instead of a string that you're assuming they could pass in an object. That was a good article. Uh, and this is kind of along the same lines. You know, he was, he was looking over an application for a new client, I'm assuming, because he said, you know, this is security in the wild. This is like when I was looking at, at a client project and there were just security bugs abound. <laughs> It's so funny. The publication was taking a user ID and then they were checking to see if that user ID was an admin. And if so, then delivering like user records. If you can guess the admin ID, you can get any user record you want. (laughs) That seemed pretty bad. He pointed that out. And then on top of that, uh, he was using uh, Adrian Lanning's uh, Meteor Rolls package. And it actually takes... Its own, you can pass either an ID or a user object. And so he showed an instance where you could have a subscribe call, and mm. instead of passing an ID, he just passes an object that has roles admin on it, and boom, you know, you're in there. And so he just shows you instead you should rely on this dot user ID and your publication. So again, like that publication is the heart and soul of your application. You need to make sure that that's where you're paying attention to security. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm I'm reading that code right there. Yeah. Yeah. Check user IDs on the server. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Never never assume things coming from the client are okay. Is this I mean this is almost tantamount to SQL injection. I don't know. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh you know, I mean it that's the tricky part about anything new like this is there's, there's going to be security risks and I don't think we've shaken them all out of Meteor quite yet. So Yeah. I've started working on a checklist actually to like help people run through like what, where you should look and and what steps you should take to make sure your app's somewhat secure. I think that'll be a good tool to get out there for people. Cause I think, you know, just not a lot of people think about this stuff and you should, you should definitely be careful. (laughs) Next week we're going to have a crazy show I haven't had a chance to watch the uh, the uh, Aaron Oda's Meteor Hack show he did with Justin, but I hear like a, a lot of the galaxy beans got spilled there. So that should be super interesting. Yeah. And uh, just today, uh, someone posted Meteor has no future. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about that next week because uh, Ben... Let's get his name wrong. Uh, the Ben that works there, I want to say Newman, Ben Newman who works for MDG has been pulling out futures and replacing it with promises for ES six and ES seven. I think that'll be super interesting to talk about as well. Once we can digest it a little more. Yeah. Just an honorable mention, Colby, Colby cheese from the chat room, put up an interesting article. I'll put this in the show notes as well. And he talked about publish and subscribe for, for newbies is what he called it. And uh, he kind of walks through how publications work and that kind of thing. So if you're new to Meteor, I think this is a a decent article to read to kind of wrap your head around how it works. All right. Cool. Good good talk. Talk to you next week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And again, remember Modulus.io, sponsor this week. We did hit a new level, but Modulus has sponsored for the year, so they'll they'll be the sponsor, but no new sponsors. And uh, if you want to join the Slack chat room, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Meteor Club. And uh, 
yeah, it's awesome. It's growing. So, all right, man. Talk to you next week, Rye. See you, man. Later. This podcast has been a Meteor Club production. You can find out more information about Meteor Club at meteorjs.club. It's pretty easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. Again, that's meteorjs.club. <laughs>